there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best All right, welcome to Biggest Hockey game. Hotline, powered by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Stevie Slapshot. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us from the Brian Blessing Studio. Okay, so we teased some news, or maybe I didn't at all. I meant to. We do have some news. You teased it. Oh, did I? Okay. At the beginning of the last hour. Yep. It's my first tease ever. I was thinking that the yeah. other day that I should do some more teasing. The wife would love it. It's more fun when you do it with the kids. Okay. It's a completely different teasing, but it is. <laughs> okay, we'll move on from that. Um, so, the dynamic of the show has kind of changed a little bit um, because this is your last day. You mm-hmm. just came in uh, to do a favor because Chris was doing a, a final and he needed the time, so we gave that to him. You were good enough to come in and be my co-host, run the board, be Mister Everything to me, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I do. I appreciate your effort. No, no, that's no, fine. I did, uh, you are because without yeah. you, I mean, I, it's just a lot of buttons. I, I, I understand all that. When you say I'm your Mister Everything to you, that's that what? can be taken a lot of different really? ways. Really? Does that sound yeah. weird? Yeah, it sounded a little weird to me. Okay, I knew what you meant, but uh, I didn't mean that in a weird way. Okay, someone just tuning in might. <laughs> you're my. <laughs> might no, have just I didn't say you're my everything, Steve. Well, I said you're Mister Everything. All right. I, there's only the slightest of difference there. Yes, but a world apart in meaning. Anyway, continue on with I? what you were saying. All right, Mr. Nothing to me. Better. That's better. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Okay. So anyway, so the dynamic of the show has kind of changed a little bit. This is your last day. And then, of course, Chris Johnson, our uh, 19-year-old co-host, Moose. intern, whatever you, whatever you want to say, great kid so glad he's here but um he's not in a a spot where he just loves hockey and eats it up and all that stuff he's a football basketball guy which i get yeah it's Mm -hmm. fine because in all honesty i'm much more hockey than i'm a basketball guy right Uh, although i do love college basketball i'm not such a big i i like the nba i'll watch it but everybody has will be 80 20 when i come in and talk about what I watched last night between the NHL and the NBA. Correct. I'm the same way. Just enough to be somewhat dangerous. Yes. Um, so I thought, of course, and this kind of goes back a little ways as well, because Brian Blessing, um, who started this whole thing, was good friends with our soon-to-be co-host. And I thought, well, this, is, this makes sense to me, because we, everybody's going to bring – some strength to the show. And so starting tomorrow and every day, I guess, until he gets sick of me, which should be on Friday-ish, Steve Karp is going to be our our co-host on the show and on the hockey show, not on the sports show. So he'll be in on the second hour, and it'll be great. I think it's a great addition, and Steve's a great guy. I've known him for a long time, and he certainly knows his pucks. His, you know, history, his knowledge of the history of the game is second to none. And, of course, you know, his current 
knowledge of the of what's going on right now is second to none. And he covered the Golden Knights for uh, the RJ, and he worked for Gaming Today. So I mean, he's he's you know, his pedigree doesn't have to be you know announced. Everybody knows who Steve Carp is, so that's good. And he'll join us tomorrow, and we appreciate that. I think he's gonna it's gonna be awesome. No, it'll be great. It'll be fantastic hockey album. When, and, and the reason why I started to think about this was when we had three people in here. It was you, Chris, and I. And I thought, wow, this is good. I like this dynamic. I'm always thinking about everything else other than the show when we're doing the show. So, um, yeah, I thought that dynamic was really good. So, the with Steve and I have talked a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and I know that yeah, Brian would approve of that because him and Brian were good friends. Uh, so we're we're going to do that. So that starts tomorrow on the hockey show, and so and we'll see we'll see how things go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So NHL playoffs tonight. It, it's I love all these series, but we do not have the one thing that we're we are not getting this year is close games we have close series but we don't have close games and and it is so the dynamic of these games you see carolina and boston and stevie we talked about this how many times i couldn't understand how boston was ever going to counter what the what carolina was doing carolina seemed way more aggressive they seemed to have the better of the two legs uh, the better legs of the two teams Goaltending, even with Ranta, was better, I thought. You just never know in this game. Yeah. And I think the variables, and I thought about this on the way to, to the studio this morning, I think the variables why, between the NBA and the NHL as to why we don't have, we have uh, more compelling games usually in the NHL is because of the how unpredictable where the puck goes. Like 90, would you say 80% of the time, the NBA players outside of a, uh, you know, going up for a rebound or a tip, they control, they have much more control Absolutely. over where the where the baskets are going to go. So you have more of a, or where the ball's going to go right. when they're, you know, whipping it around the, you know, the top of the circle or whatever. So there's much more c- control. So some team can really break away from the other, which is more of their control. Right. In the NHL, that's not the way it is. Correct. There, there's no such thing as ball luck in the NBA. There's NBA puck players, luck in the, in the NHL. NBA players do also don't lose an edge. They don't lose edges. Right. And they don't throw sticks, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> so. I, I got to tell you, I, did, did you feel like that was uh, goalie interference? On um, Was it DeBrusque? I think it was DeBrusque. No, I, I, I mean, and again, I don't know because we've seen worse. There, there's no definition, and we can't go back to the, we can't go back to the days of don't go into blue paint. We can't go back to that, right? So, I mean, I thought, I, I don't know, I, I thought, I thought it was a good goal. Yeah, when I, when I first saw it, I, I felt like DeBrusque got pushed in, but then. Looking at the overhead, I felt like his stick, and it's, I don't, he didn't do this on purpose, but his stick caused Ranta's leg to go back into the goal, and then, and then Ranta cannot now sit, 
But the puck is still coming, sitting it was, idle. It was. He has every right to put your stick I, in there. He he does, but he but he's not supposed to hit. He, he moves Ranta's leg in such a way that Ranta then can't cover the puck. He can't get to it because he's try, because he's falling down. Even though he was already down, now now he's going down flat. I I, I felt like it was goaltender interference, and and so did McKenna. McKenna sent out a tweet, and and I, I I tweeted out that I that I agreed with him. I don't know either way, honestly. I, I if, if if it got called, yeah, I would say, okay, I can see your viewpoint. Because Mike McKenna wasn't on the, I mean, we've seen, what, two major goaltender interference in this postseason. Mm -hmm. McKenna wasn't on the majority of, you know, the side in the Penguin series. Mm -hmm. He was on, he thought it was a goal. I kind of thought it was a goal, too. Okay. I don't know. They're going to have to figure it out. Let's, from the Robbie and Rex Road show on 102.5, the game in Nashville, let's welcome in Robbie Stanley. Uh, return visit from Robbie. So, so settle this. I mean, was was the Debrus goal? I mean, was it good or uh, it, do you, do we just have no idea what interference is anymore? Well, that's the problem, guys. And, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I, I tweeted this out after the Predators game on Saturday night. There have been a couple goaltender inter, interference calls in this series too. Where, quite frankly, they're they're going to the replay booth and nobody has any idea that's what right. the call is going to be, and that's the problem. I mean, you can ask, you could line up a row of 10 people, and when you go to review, five people are going to say it's a goal, and five people are going to say it's not. And quite frankly, the, the matter is, nobody has any clue. I mean, you ask a play, there's a play in the Predators game the other night where he's right at the top of the crease, and there's a, you know, the stick comes chopping down on the, uh, on the glove of Connor Ingram in net for the Predators. I thought it was goaltender interference. They took a look at it for about 20 seconds, and it wasn't. The TNT broadcast all thought it was goaltender interference, and they came back and said it wasn't. So I think you guys nailed it. The big problem in the NHL right now is nobody seems to have any clue, and that's something that has to get addressed. Well, nobody knew what a cross-track was for years, and apparently still don't either. They still don't. calling that either. <laughs> but, I mean, let's start with cross-checking, I guess, first. Hey, hey with Barry Trotz being let go today, I, I've seen at least fa- – I don't know five to seven fan bases already, you know, saying that they're in the, the in the running for Barry Trotz. I mean, this is a guy that if he wants to coach next year, there's not going to be a problem with him finding a team. Is Nashville one of those teams, or you're you're cool with John Hines at this point? Well, it's interesting because I actually think John Hines has done a good job, and I, I think in a lot of ways maybe he's overachieved with the roster that he has. And I, I'm in the camp. There is a debate here among Predators fans in terms of, you know, is John Hines, should he keep his job after this season or not? He's on an expiring contract, and the team has an option to pick that up coming into next year. So they can move on from him after this series is over with if they want to. Uh, with Barry Trotz being out there, honestly, if the Predators have a chance to go get him and he wants to come back here, I think that's something they should do. Now, keep in mind, Barry Trotz was here for about 15 years. He was the first coach in franchise history and led them for the first 15 years of the franchise. So if he wants to come back, and I have no clue as to whether or not if he does or not, the Predators should go that route. I mean, you're talking about a guy top five in the history of the league and wins a Hall of Fame head coach and a Stanley Cup champion. I think John Hines has done a good job, but if he's available and wanting to come back to the Nashville Predators, I'm doing that all day long. Was that a surprise to you, Barry Trotz getting – getting let go i mean there was all kinds of built-in excuses and apparently that's working here in 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 vegas but 
I mean, was this nothing more than maybe just a personal relationship that kind of soured between Trotz and Lamborello? Because honestly, he didn't do anything wrong there. There was a point at the end of the season where they were playing as well as anybody in the league. They were the team that nobody wanted to play. And, you know, you don't go on that 13-game road trip to start the year. You don't have to deal with corona and the coronavirus and the manner in which they did, plus the injuries. I mean, this team is obviously a team that's on their way to to you know, at least contending for a postseason spot. I mean, was this just nothing more than a probably a personal relationship between uh, him, him and Lamarillo? It certainly seems that way. I mean, I, I was stunned when I saw that news come across this morning and as you said, I mean, first off, let's just let's talk about the Islanders for a second. It's not like they've just been this overwhelming run of success for the last couple of decades. They've largely sucked the last few decades, and then Barry Trotz comes in and overachieves his first year, gets to the second round of the playoffs, and then takes them to two consecutive conference finals. And as you said, this was such a weird year. They, they began the season with 13 consecutive road games. Not only that, but there were times where they would play, you know, you, you open the season with 13 consecutive road games, and there were a couple of different times where they had more than a week off in between games. It was just a really, really strange season. They had injuries. They had COVID issues. So I, I thought it was a huge overreaction to fire Barry Trotz. It has to be, in my mind, something going on there personally between him and Lamorello and the rest of the NHL is happy that it happened because now somebody's going to get a really, really good coach if Barry Trotz wants to continue to go down that road. Yeah, the only the only people in the league that aren't happy are about twenty five other coaches. Um, is it does it speak though to where we are today in the game? If memory serves me right. If Barry Trotz didn't make the postseason with Nashville for what five years, maybe his sixth year he got in with Nashville. Yep. I mean, that would be unheard of today, even at an, at an expansion level. Where it look, I mean, especially after what Vegas did, I don't think any coach would be given five years to just get into the postseason the way he was. And now he's a Hall of Fame coach because there was patience. Yeah, like I, I think there's a good chance that if Barry Trotz was introduced to the league today and he came in as a head coach today, most people wouldn't know who he is. Because to your point, I, I don't think he gets five years. The Predators were really patient. And look, some teams are more patient than other teams, and sometimes that works out really well, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, the Predators have been around for 25 years. They've had three head coaches during that time. Barry Trotz, Peter Laviolette, and John Hines. That's it. Those are the only three coaches that they've had. So. Sometimes I think that's worked to their advantage, sometimes to their detriment. But to your point, I mean, the NHL already, when you look at the four major sports across the United States, they fire their coaches quicker than just about anybody, and that's always been the case ever since I've been covering the NHL. But I do think it's getting you know, even more extreme to that point. So to your point, you know, with Vegas coming in, Seattle coming in, I just don't think that you're, if you're an NHL head coach, you're going to get that long of a leash anymore. Hey, Robbie, I know the Preds have more pressing issues tonight, but I, I want to ask, i got to know, do you think Philip Forsberg and that epic stash of his will be in Nashville next year? Does, does he does he want to stay? Does he like it there? Will, will the Preds pony up? Well, I think he likes it here, but honestly, I, I would have thought he would have been signed by now. I mean, if you're the Predators, you went through the trade deadline, you didn't trade him. At that point, you've got to bring your best offer to the table and you've got to find a way to get it done because what you can't have happen if you're David Poyle is to let him walk for nothing. And the fact that he's not signed yet to me is pretty concerning. I can tell you this, here in Nashville, 
People are very concerned that we could be walking into the arena tonight for Philip Forsberg's last game as a member of the National Predators. I mean, two months from now, the NHL free agency period is going to begin. And the fact that he's not signed yet to me, if I'm a Predators fan, is very, very concerning. So I've been of the belief the whole time that a deal was going to get done between the Predators and Philip Forsberg, and I'm way less confident at the moment that that's going to happen. So I think there's a real chance that he tests the waters of free agency. So if he if he goes, you've lost a lot of firepower. What will the Preds do in the offseason to, to try and make up for that? And and what, what do they need to do overall to be just a little better? They're, they're obviously a playoff team, um, but you know it looks like they're going to be a first round out. Uh, what, what do they need to do to go a little farther in the playoffs next year? Well, they've got to have some, some more depth scoring-wise. They've got, you know, Forsberg's got 42 goals this year. Duchesne had 43. And obviously, Roman Yossi had the best offensive de- season as a defenseman that we've seen in the last 30 years in the NHL. So you're feeling good about those guys. If Forsberg's gone, you may be in a bit of a rebuild, retool situation if you're the Predators. If he's not and you're able to come back, that's still obviously going to help. Either way, the Predators are going to have a lot of cap room. I mean, they can sign Forsberg to a deal and still have significant cap room to work with. If you lose Forsberg, I wonder if they put themselves in the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes and see if they could land him there in Nashville if he chooses to test the water or free agency. But if neither one of those two things work out, you're probably in more of a retooling situation. The second line has been such a problem all year. They, they haven't had many depth scoring options on, at wing on the second line, so that's probably where David Poyle and company are looking come off season. Now we're talking to Robbie Stanley from the Robbie and Rex Road Show on 102.5 The Game in Nashville. And Robbie, I mean, bad news for the Predators. It's win or go home tonight, but pretty good news that Roman Yossi is a finalist for the Norris Trophy along with uh, Cal McCarr and Victor Hedman. I mean, those are two guys that, are, that might be slightly ahead. I mean, one's a better – I mean, if, if you're – look, at this point in the season, I want Victor Hedman as my as my top-line defenseman. I mean, he's – or my top-pairing defenseman. But you really can't it, – it's tough. I mean, even if Yossi doesn't win this, boy, you've got to really look back and step back and say, well, what, what a great job he has done, not only this season, but what he's meant to that franchise. He's an incredible player. He really is. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch his ability to, to lead the rush offensively and whether the puck goes on net or whether he passes it off and say the Predators don't score, you look back and the puck's going the other way and who's the first guy back on defense? It's Roman Yossi. Like, it's really unbelievable the way that he moves around out there and watching in this series, as you mentioned, you know, Colorado's up 3-0 and they're probably going to win tonight and complete the sweep. Him and, McC- and Kale McCarr on the ice at the same time is just unbelievable to watch the edge work, to watch the decision-making, just the skill level that those two have. And you know, I described Kale McCarr. I said he looks like he's 12 years old, and then he skates, and he looks like he's attached to a gas-powered snowmobile. It's unbelievable to watch the way that guy moves around the ice. So Roman Yossi has been absolutely incredible. He's been really good for a long time. In the last few years, obviously, people have started to pay more attention to it. But as you said, I feel like Victor Hedman is nominated for the Norris Trophy every year, basically because he is nominated for the Norris Trophy every year, and that guy is unbelievable. Yeah, Don't play right. off that. Uh, consistently. I mean, just his consistency uh, on the ice is incredible. And I try to think of, well, who, who else should have been in this conversation? And, and when I even get down to make the – 
the fifth spot. Maybe you talk about Brandon Carlo a little bit, who probably will be in you know most people's top five as uh, as one of the top defensemen. But but there's such a gap between Brandon Carlo and when you talk about McCarr and Hedman and and uh, and Roman Yossi. But if you had a if you had a vote for this, I mean, is is it Hedman or are you going to go with your guy there, Yossi? Oh man, it's it's close. I, I think I'm going Yossi very slightly, just because of what he means to his team. And I was talking to a couple guys from from NHL Network about this the other day. What he means to his team, I think you could you could put Yossi in the conversation for Hart. Now I don't think he should win Hart. I don't think he's going to win Hart, but I'm interested to see where he lands on that because without Roman Yossi, like the Predators are just not very good, and he he is physically carried this team along with him this year. So, I mean, you can make a similar argument for Hedman. Obviously, McCarr is an absolute freak with the puck, and watching him you know, dangle around out there is unbelievable. I think I would give the very, very slight edge to Yossi in this. It, it is incredible because, you know, I've been watching the sport for a long time, and I, I can't remember a year where – you know, backup goaltenders or even, you know, the, the backup to the back backups have been talked about. I mean, it is insane how much second and third string goaltenders have been relied on. And obviously there, you know that uh, better than most. Where would this series be if Soros wasn't out? Would, would it still be where it is right now or would they have grabbed a game or two? I think there's a chance they would have grabbed the game. I'm probably not willing to go much farther than that. Like I, I just think if, if you look at the way it's gone so far, Colorado it was just totally dominant in the first two games. And obviously, David Riddick was in, was in goal for the first game for the Predators, and that did not go well. I think his expected goals was 0.87, according to Sport Logic, and he gave up five. So that didn't go very well for, for the Predators <laughs> yes. in the first period of that one. So I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Soros would have made a gigantic difference in game one. As you pointed out, you know, Connor Ingram came in in relief in game two and started that game and played just about as well as you could play. I mean, he, I thought he was awesome in that game. And then the last game, the Predators' penalty kill was just atrocious. So. I think it might be two to one if Soros is in there, but honestly, with with how good Colorado's been, it might still be three zero in favor of Colorado. It would just be maybe a little less lopsided on the scoreboard. Robbie, if you really, really, really want to look at the silver lining here, that's, this is a lot of confidence for Connor Ingram. I, mean, I, I think you've got a, yeah. you know, you've got a solid backup there now to Soros going into next year. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's the plan too, because the Predators. A couple of years ago, drafted you know Yaroslav Askarov, who is a very highly regarded elite-level goaltender uh, prospect-wise. He's going to be over in North America next year at their in their uh, AHL farm team in Milwaukee. So I think the plan next year will be Saros as the starter, Ingram as the backup. And to your point, I think if you're Connor Ingram, you can't help but be confident with the way that you come in and that you've played at times against this Colorado team when you've been totally outmanned and outgunned in front of you. So. I think the Predators feel like their goaltending future is is very bright with Soros hopefully getting healthier here soon and then, you know, Connor Ingram as the backup next season. Any chance tonight for for Nashville? Uh, Colorado has to go with the backup goaltender. Uh, Darcy Kemper, the the swelling around the eye is is not uh, subsided enough that he can get in net, so it's going to be Francouz, and Francouz can be leaky. Uh, what, what, What are the odds in your mind for Nashville tonight at home? 
I think there's a chance. Uh, I think, you know, honestly, the best game of the series, the Predators have played at 5-on-5, five five, came in game three. They just were terrible on the penalty kill. So if you can be better on the penalty kill tonight, I think you're going to give yourself a chance. I can't really see this series going past game five, though. If the Predators win tonight and you're going back to Denver for game five, I think the, the, the Avalanche will take care of business there. But I do think there's a chance the Predators get a victory tonight. But with the way Colorado's played all series long, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Colorado finishes the job and they close out the sweep tonight. Yeah, what's the atmosphere there? I, I know you guys are in Vegas and you know a couple other around the league. I mean, it just everybody kind of puts Nashville and Vegas in that top two or three as far as fan bases. But, I mean, is the atmosphere there as insane still or has Colorado kind of slowly sucked the life out of, uh, out of the Nashville Predator fans? It's been a little bit different. And, you know, game three was the first game, first playoff game at home on Saturday, obviously. And, you know, it was still it was a good crowd. I mean, there was people, they were excited. But it just didn't quite have the same energy to it. I think, number one, some of that is a lot of the wind got taken out of the sails with Predators fans when UC Soros got hurt. And number two, when you're coming back down 0-2, and it's, it's really the way that the first two games played out. I know the score looked close in game two, obviously, with – with Colorado winning that game in overtime. But if you look at the game, I mean, the Predators got outshot 51-25 to in that game. Colorado has had the puck for basically the entire series. So I think it's a bit of a a demoralized fan base going up against the Avalanche. And then you factor in on top of that, this is, I think, the fourth series in the row that the Predators will not get out of the first round. There's a little bit of restlessness here in terms of trying to get back to that playoff success. You know, they've been searching – to get back to the cup finals since 2017 and they've been really going the wrong way since then so you factor all that together and i don't think the environment was quite the same on saturday yeah it was there and maybe it was just a, a still shot that you know maybe it was in between periods or something but did you see some empty seats there i mean that was i, I saw it on twitter and i thought oh wow they must everybody must be in the coke line at one point because uh that that is not what we're used to from from nashville predator fans yeah i think some people you know, got maybe carried away with that a little bit. Number one. Well, they the were sold pres- for sure. <laughs> yeah, they were like the vice president was in town on Saturday. So traffic was atrocious I around see. the city with things closed out. I mean, they had parking structures closed downtown. There were some tough lines getting in. So as the game went on, the place filled up. I'm not going to say that the, you know, the entire building was full because there were some, some seats down by the glass that I noticed that didn't get full the whole game, but it wasn't quite as bad as people made it out to be, and there were some extenuating circumstances. But even even that, I mean, to that point, that never used to happen here with the Predators. You couldn't find an empty seat. So I still kind of raised my eyebrows over that a little bit. It wasn't as bad as maybe some of those still shots pointed out, but I don't recall in a long, long time seeing empty seats for playoff games, even one in the building. Yeah, well, it's been a terrific fan base, and and it's it is funny, Robbie. I mean, last question. I mean, you look at where the NHL was, say, you know, five years ago or six years ago. We'll, we'll say for for Vegas's pur- purpose, and you know, I mean, the NHL has really changed. I mean, we've gone from expecting Montreal to be in the Stanley Cup every year or, or compete for it. We expected oh, a Canadian team to be in it. The Tampa Bay Lightning changed all that. There was more Stanley Cups in the state of Florida than the entire, you know, continent of, of Canada, for, or not continent, but country of Canada for <laughs> forever and still is. 
you have Nashville come in with their terrific fan base, Vegas with their terrific fan base. I mean, even even Los Angeles. I mean, when that place gets rocking, it's it's a great you know arena. Although they don't get a lot of support from the the media there locally, but you know, West Coast hockey and warm weather hockey, Dallas was insane. It is basically yeah. saying. Hey, look, maybe it's maybe it's this is the way to present this game and, and your old stuffy way of doing things is just not the way the NHL is going to move forward. Well, I think you put it perfectly there. And look, you know, speaking to somebody who's lived in Nashville my entire life, grew up in Nashville, it's a great sport. I mean, it's, it's just a fantastic sport. It's my favorite sport out there. And, you know, I've covered and been around all of them. And hockey is by far my favorite. And I think it doesn't really matter where the game is played, when you have people that are invested and when you have fans that are eager to learn and to watch, it can work. And Nashville is a shining example of that. You mentioned Tampa. Obviously, Vegas has been an overwhelming success coming into the league. You know, I, I think that old way of thinking of you have to live in a cold-weather city or you have to live in a Canadian market for hockey to really work, I think that's just a lazy way of thinking now, and it doesn't really have any validity to it. So, I think the NHL has, has done a great job of expanding the game, expanding the footprint on their market. Are there situations and are there, you know, you know, examples you can point to of it not working out? Sure. I mean, we're four hours away from Atlanta here in Nashville, and that did not go well. But, uh, you know, by, by and large, it's, it's become more of a, a national game, a global game, and I think the NHL is in a great spot. I really do, and... These warm weather cities, they keep uh, you know producing and, and having good playoff runs. And Dallas has been crazy. Tampa Bay has been crazy. Vegas was nuts in the Stanley Cup final. Nashville was nuts in the Stanley Cup final. And I think it's a great thing for the game. Uh, Vegas will be nuts during the exhibition game against uh, co- yeah. against the Coyotes <laughs> next year. Um, I, one last question too about that. Do you do you foresee like I mean Arizona? I mean I don't know where they're going to go. I, I, I just I don't love their current situation. I mean, Arizona State does not want them there at all. I mean, there's even a logo battle in the middle of the ice as to who's going to have their logo in the middle of the ice. And, and I have people telling me Arizona State's not going to budge on this. I mean, where else? I mean, I know Houston's kind of thrown out there, but you know, where else can this league ex- expand to? Because you can't expand too much because – there could just come to a point where you run out of cities to expand to. So I, I, I get why the NHL is fighting for Phoenix, obviously the, the market size as well, but outside of Houston, they don't have a, they don't seem to have a willingness to go to Quebec. Uh, I don't know where else, maybe Kansas city that they expand to. So I think maybe as far as expansion is concerned, I mean, it's very important for the NHL and its teams to have success as to where they are right now, because uh, the the next step is getting thinner and thinner with every move. It really is. And, you know, the, the Arizona situation is so weird. And I agree with you. Like, it, it's difficult for me to see that really working out and being viable long-term in terms of the, the setup at Arizona State. Number one, you know, I, I like kind of that small feel to it. And I think it can be cool for a while. But this is in the National Hockey League. That's you right. Know, That's why you have the AHL. Exactly. Like you need to have an NHL sized arena. You need to have, you know, a capacity near seventeen, eighteen thousand, not three thousand. I mean this is this should not be that difficult. So I, I agree. I don't know what's gonna happen there. I, I have heard Houston get thrown around there a lot. I mean it is what, the the fourth largest market in the United States, so obviously there would be a, some appeal there if you're Gary Bettman 
and the National Hockey League. But, you know, I, I don't know exactly what that next step. I think you're right is the, the, in the expansion list is getting pretty short at the moment in terms of teams and cities that can handle that. So I, I'm going to be really fascinated to see the way that plays out. Yeah, Houston was a pretty good hockey market when they had the IHL there. Yep. Uh, it, it was. They thought that they were going to get a team, and of course, I, I think what was the Sprint Center at the time in Kansas City when it was built? I think they built that thinking they were going to get a team, and, and like Quebec, never, never did get one. Hey, Robbie, we always appreciate you having on having you on a show. Tell everybody when your show is, and and good luck to the Predators tonight. All right, well, thank you all for having me, and you can catch me from 6 to 10 a.m. Central Time every morning on ESPN 102.5 The Game in Nashville, and we stream live on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch as well. So check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you, Robbie. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. All right, there he goes, Robbie Stanley from 102.5 The Game in Nashville. I keep forgetting it's Central Time. I always think of them as East Coast. Yeah, I, I would have thought so, too. I'm, I was surprised but when he said I, I think, Central isn't time. there um isn't there a split down the, down the state where one? Uh, maybe not. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Just looking at it now on the map, they're right in line with Chicago. They're they're right. Oh, okay. They're directly okay. below Chicago. Oh, there you go. Then okay. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll discuss tonight's playoff matchups. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only 
at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline, powered by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Stevie Slapshot. I'm Dana Lane from the Brian Blessing Studio, KSHP 1400. Robbie was fantastic. He Robbie's was. always good. Yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. It's hard to uh, – you, you take these guys and your association, their association with whatever team, and you kind of root for them because, you know. Sure. I don't know. I, I think like, you, you, like you, Robbie for a long time. You brought up Kansas City. I, I think that would be a good spot for, for Arizona. You've got Chicago. You've got Nashville. It's a good you've got spot St. for Louis. Colorado. Yeah. You, got, you have them all right there. There, there. There's some nice rivalries that would form there, I would think. I just think the travel would be – and of course, Kansas City's had a team back mm-hmm. in the day, right? So, you know, they've been there, done that at one point. Yeah, but that they didn't did. prevent them from giving Atlanta another team. Yeah, but but uh, at that time, they didn't have Nashville. So, so there's a rival you didn't have. They didn't have Colorado. I just worry about, like, for Colorado, their travel. They have to travel out in Arizona too, but Arizona has. A close proximity, and and again, I'm not a geography major, but I'm just going off the top of my head. That Colorado has to to travel inside their division, mm-hmm. and I'm sure somebody's going to call up and say, "Hey, that's not true." But it seems like when they travel inside their division, they have to travel. Are they the only team that has to go outside their time zone for every inside the division game? I think that's true. That's probably true. Yeah. I think that's true. Even when they, yeah. So, so, so if Kansas City comes in, so that would that would change that. Yeah. Then, then, then you can. Move I think Colorado, <laughs> Colorado to the Pacific. Oh no! Or do you leave them in? No, you leave them where they are. Okay. Yeah. The Kansas City's not coming in, so that's moot conversation. Moot. Yeah, for like ten years, I would say mute. <laughs> you know, something never tried, Brian. Crazy. Moot sounds better. I like it. The only way that you know that that's not the right word is by using the wrong word. There was a day, I forgot what it was, there was a day I used a word, and Brian said, that's not the word. And he was right. Wow. <laughs> he was absolutely right. No, he, he knew. I, I forgot what the word was. Somebody knows out there. Okay, we got 15 minutes left in the show. We'll talk about the NHL playoffs. If um, you want to call and talk about uh, the firing of Barry Trotz. You want to talk about the Golden Knights? Feel free to do that. We just have 15 minutes, so it's seven seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three. Maybe just 
wish Stevie Slapshot a happy retirement. Get out of here, you! <laughs> I know we had a whole we had a whole retirement show the other day. Hey, did uh, I know that you talked about this going in? The Kings have have really played well against Edmonton. No, no surprises though, right? I give them all the credit in the world. I really do because this was a team that could have easily have hung it up. In yeah. the manner in which they were getting beat by the Oilers, they could have easily hung this up. I, I agree. I, I think that says a lot about McClellan, too. I've, I've, I think he's been fantastic. When he coached Edmonton, I, I thought, man, that guy's lost it. And then he comes to Los Angeles, and, and this team plays for him. E- even in regular season games, when, when, when they're not going to the playoffs on that year, they, they've played hard at the end of uh, campaigns in Los Angeles under him. And by the way, this is still a team that's without – Drew Doughty, Victor Arvidsson is day-to-day, last time I checked. Yes, that's true. But up the middle, I think they match up extremely well, which you have to. You have to play well defensively against what Edmonton throws out there on the ice offensively. And I thought with Kopitar, uh, Danielle, I... I'm just looking at. I mean, I have follow on. Uh, I have follow on the top and Adrian Kempe. I, I think they have all played really well. Yeah. At times. Yes. But I thought they played extremely well. I, I kept on waiting when that game was two nothing. I, I kept on waiting for Edmonton to get that goal right, that would too. get them rolling. Just never came. Yeah. They were suffocated. Yeah. No, I I had the Kings last night and I fell I had asleep the Kings too. And uh, and I woke up this morning and was surprised because I thought that I thought Edmonton would push back and apparently they didn't. So um, fine with me. I click my money. How about Washington against Florida, Dana? So are you surprised with the Caps? I'm not surprised. Okay. Because I just don't think Florida can defend. Apparently not. I think they make and this is the the point that I brought up. If if the coaching situation is different down there. Are they better prepared for the postseason? Okay. If Quinville's there, are they better prepared? Would they win the, the President's Trophy? Who cares? Yeah. I just think from a defensive standpoint, they would be better. And I think right now, you know, when you're talking about Burnett against Laviolette, I think this is where coaching matters. Agreed. Agreed. Andrew Burnett just does not have the, the pedigree. He's never had to... You know, he's not been in this position. And I think Laviolette is, is coaching circles around him. Did you, I think they're much better defensively. I think they're, they're you know, we brought up Uyghur the other day. I, I was jumping out of my seat when I saw this guy <laughs> go up through the middle of the ice and basically turn the puck over. Capitals come back and score. I mean, Ovechkin scores. Mm-hmm. I just, there's no puck support. I'm like, you're trying to protect a lead. What are you doing? You're a defenseman. What are you doing? Throw it in deep and protect this lead. Correct. All you had to do was bleed out that last period. Yeah. That's all you had to do. So and and, and so teams like that, like like Florida and Toronto, high scoring teams. That's why I like Minnesota. Right. High scoring team. But when they need to crank down on you defensively, they can they can certainly do that. And now with Flurry, I mean they have a one-two punch there that can win a cup. Yep. There, there's no doubt about it. You talk about winning a cup here. 
okay, well, take what they have in Minnesota. And, and I always think it starts with goaltending out. It's not that big of a, a discrepancy or a hole between your defenseman and goaltending because I think they go hand in hand like a, a bass player and a drummer. I mean, that's your rhythm. That's your rhythm section of a team. They need to play well in order for you to play well, obviously, defensively. Flurry in Chicago didn't have any help in front of him. Right. Was not, you know, he did all he could. He's got a lot more help in front of him in Minnesota. He does. I think this goes to coaches, too. And you brought up LaViolette uh, out coaching Brunette. You know, Minnesota, I like. I like Dean Everson's style. I like the way his teams play. I, I like the way um, um, Sutter's teams play. I mean, he's with Calgary now. Um, the, they can play any style, but uh, in the playoffs especially, they can really lock you down when they need to. Um, and I, I, I think that's the way to win playoff games. What about, really you know what, I was thinking this morning, what about John Tortorella? I mean, where does he go at this point? I mean, there's some people that suggested that maybe the game passed him by. I don't know what, the, what that even means. Right. If I, the game hasn't passed Daryl Sutter by. Correct. I mean, all these guys. You think the game's passed Barry Trotz by? No. Not at all. No. And I don't think the game has passed John Tortorella either. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, does it feel to you like he's got an itch to get back in? It, it, it feels to me like he's kind of comfortable hanging out at ESPN. I was going to say no. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah. I think there was times... And I think what people mean by the game has passed him by is he's a little bit of a he was a little bit of a, a hothead. Yes. Not a little bit, he was. He was. But I thought he got a lot better at that. He did. But he was a guy that wanted to win a cup. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with a young team, which he was, mm-hmm. that was still still learning how trying to win, which they still are. It's just they're not on your level yet. They have to go through. They have to be seasoned to win a cup. Mm -hmm. There are things that you have to overcome and experience in order to compete for a Stanley Cup. Or, you know, just have a real good expansion draft. So I think that, that he was not willing. And we talk about coaches that were great players. And, and he was, you know, that's not this situation. Right. But they are, they almost go from pl- from playing to not having success at coaching because they can't get they can't get their players to be them. Right. Because what made them great was their was their God given talent. Right. And it's very hard to pull that out uh, of players when it's just not in there to begin with. Yeah. And I think so. To equate that to John Tortorella, I don't know if he can pull out. What he what is expected from them from this group, you know, in, in Columbus, to carry them to the postseason or to carry them to a Stanley Cup, he just and, and I think it just wore on him. And of course, you know, he he went off a few times, and maybe that's what people say. I mean, I don't know what, what's Claude Julian doing. I, I guess I, you know, I mean, Claude <laughs> obviously has a ring. Yeah. It didn't take him long to accept the Montreal job. Yeah, maybe he's got the itch to come back. We'll see. What's going to happen with Quinville? I mean, how how long how long is he in coaching jail for? Does he end up back in Chicago? No, no, you don't think so. No way. No, mm. <laughs> no I don't think. So. I don't think there's a chance. in okay, no way. All right. 
Do I think he's out forever? I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. Would, do, what 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 would be a good fit for him right now? If if say some say someone calls him in the off season, what what what's a what what team's a good fit for him? Well, I mean, it. it it's hard to say that without knowing where the openings are going to come because I don't, well, we, I mean, you can, you, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, a lot of, okay. So you, you say a guy like Sutter, who we know is a defensive style coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you want to have solid goaltending, you know, your top four, at least your top, four, you know, top two pairing at least has to be solid or at least a willingness to go out and make that because that's the way his style is going to be. But I think a guy like Quinn Vulcan, I mean, he's had really good defensive teams. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know he's had fantastic offensive teams. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard thing to say without knowing what the openings are going to be. Because you could put him – could you put him in New York with the Islanders? I could see that. Yeah. But I could see him I, – I, I, actually, now you say it, or now I say it, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, no, Whether that's going to gonna happen or not, who yeah. knows? I, I think he's still in, you know, NHL jail for a while. Yeah. Are Are you surprised that the, the uh, Boudreaux didn't get a contract yet from from Vancouver? No, not no. Did, because did, who did we talk to? We talked to Corey Hirsch, and Corey Hirsch didn't. And maybe I'm I'm wrong on that, but there was somebody up there that we spoke to on the show that said that they didn't think that that was going to happen. Well. I forgot. I I, th- I thought he did a good job. He did a great job. Yeah. But the problem with Boudreaux has always been, this is first of all, there's there's new, you know, ownership per se, or management per se up there. They're going to want to bring in their own guy. And Boudreaux has always been a guy that has come in and really been his voice has been an infusion of, you know, moving the team forward. But I mean, he's never been accused of being a great X and O guy. Okay. That's so, a good point. They'll want to bring in their own guy. Well, they, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, and he's, he has. He's earned it. He's earned it for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that doesn't stick around very long. And I don't think you're going to bring a guy to rebuild or maybe to further the process. I don't think you're bringing a guy in to be there for one or two more years. So they bring in a different guy in Vancouver. Does Boudreaux maybe go to the Islanders? Well, I, I think anything's possible. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Does Does Bedro come on the show with you tomorrow, this week, next week? It's not possible. Okay, that's not possible. You just said anything was possible. Yes, as far as coaching is concerned. <laughs> All right. Well, Robbie Stanley, we want to thank him uh, for, for coming on from one hundred two five, the fan in Nashville. We also want to thank Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos. Good, good Monday show. We kind of. You're, this is going to be it for you. Uh-huh. And then, of course, Steve Carp's going to be with us uh, starting tomorrow. And hope Chris Johnson did well on this test. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. For Stevie Slapshot, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Oh, hockey game. Oh.